Good morning, everybody. Do you know what? I've chosen the wrong week to come of night after yesterday's game. Like, did anybody? Oh, I was going to say, did anybody watch it? We kind of watched it, and then we were like, oh my gosh, what on earth is happening? Uh, we were actually in the Principality Stadium for the win against uh, the Scots, so that was great. But yesterday was a bit like, oh my gosh, I do I have to go to England tomorrow? That's, uh, that's what I said. But fair play, you're singing. I, you could be Welsh. It's like, it's absolutely amazing. It was really, really good. So, um, yeah, so uh, Pastor Christian um, introduced me as regional manager. This, it sounds posher than it actually is. Uh, but I just look after the whole of Wales, uh, Cheltenham, Gloucester, uh, Hereford, kind of border regions uh, for Compassion UK. So I visit churches, uh, letting you know kind of what's going on with your sponsored children and uh, hopefully leaving with a few more uh, children sponsored as well. So I'm a senior leader with my husband down in our church uh, in sunny West Wales. I can say that today. I can't often say sunny West Wales, but I can say that today because it was absolutely glorious when I left uh, this morning. So they start at 11 o'clock and in pre-service prayer, whenever I'm out preaching, they pray for me and the church that I'm at. So know this morning you have been prayed for. That's the great thing, isn't it, about church, is that we may be different parts of the country, we may be different denominations even, but we're all one family uh, with God. So know today that a part of your Welsh family have prayed for you this morning. So I've got three girls. My eldest um, will be leading worship right now at our church. And she has a little boy called Solomon. I know I don't look old enough to be a grandmother. Um, but he's 18 months old, and there's another one on the way as well. So I was a little in shock um, to know that I've got another one on the way. So that's uh, coming in September. Then my middle daughter is um, uh, Fion, uh, all Welsh names. Karis is the oldest. Fion is the middle one. Uh, she's on her way to London right now because she is a professional footballer. So she is uh, playing the game at two o'clock, very important game, because if they win, they'll be second in the league. Um, and she has just returned from Spain because she's also a Welsh international as well. So she has uh, just come back from Spain and they came third in that competition. So Wales did better at the football, women's football. It's the women it is, seeing it. Put the women on the pitch. You know, put the women on the pitch, that's what I say. So she's a, a Welsh international and a professional footballer. And then my little baby, I call her, although she absolutely hates that, has just turned 18. And uh, in the very stressful time at the moment, if any of you have got children doing uh, GCSEs or A-levels, she's uh, just preparing for her A-levels. And in the middle of interviews for university, she wants to be uh, a doctor. So very stressful uh, applying for med school at the moment. So prayers appreciated um, because obviously she's competing with the best of the best to get her place. So that's a little bit about me. And last but not least, I should say, I've got two gorgeous little furry friends as well. Two little cockapoos who are my absolute dream. So that's a little bit about me. I'll go through individually now. So you, No, I'm not going to do that, don't worry. That will take far too long. So, yeah, so I just want to say a huge thank you, first of all, because as Pastor Christian said, some of you do sponsor already. We don't maybe have the full record, so if you uh, do sponsor somebody and you don't see your child on screen a little bit later on, please come and have a chat with me so that we can add them to it. But we've got a, a, a bit of a slideshow to show you here about your impact uh, that you have had on the children that you are sponsoring. They're from various countries across the world, but the slide, uh, the slides happening or not otherwise I'm gonna yeah the, the slides are coming shortly so there's the impact there so in the last um so with your children that you sponsor 7,652 hours have been spent at our project 
There we are. I'm not going to go through all the numbers. They're up now. So 7,652 hours. There's the meals that they've given. There's the medical checkups. And there's the Bibles that we have given. So that's just your children. Just the children that you sponsor here from C3. So believe you me, your contributions, even though you might not think it's making any difference or very little difference at all, makes a tremendous difference in the lives of the children that you are sponsoring. And in the last 12 months, believe it or not, you have contributed over £4,000 to your children. And that includes additional um, contributions like Christmas and birthdays as well. Your sponsored children uh, have had letters and they write to you. You'll notice that uh, the letters sent by the children is a little bit higher than the letters to the children. I can't encourage you enough. If you've got two minutes, two seconds, even it doesn't take long on the app, write to your child. They absolutely adore the letters. The letters come in, they all sit around, they get handed out the letter. Can you imagine being that child who didn't get the letter? Just because we forgot to write. And don't get me wrong, I forget often. Everybody does, yeah? But please, if it's a plea, if nothing else today, remember to write to your child. Tell them that you're thinking of them. Tell them that you love them. Tell them that, you know, encourage them about what they want to be in their future because they do really treasure those letters. When I have visited the children, uh, they can literally grab them from underneath their pillow and they've got their little letters to show you. They really do treasure them. So please continue to write. But then is the, a breakdown of uh, the ages of your children. You have five girls and five boys. That's very uh, equal, isn't it? Very, very good there. Uh, and there's a picture then of the children that we've got. Now, like I said, the next slide will have all the children on. Uh, like I said, you may or may not see your child there. If you don't, don't worry, that's our fault, not yours. Uh, we just haven't connected you to C3. So again, if you haven't seen your little boy or your little girl on the screen there, please let me know and I can get that connected very, very easily. And then the 10 sponsored children come from nine countries and their flags on there. There's a test after, by the way, okay? So have a good look uh, at the, uh, the test, at the, at the flags there. So, yeah, so you're from quite a diverse um, area across the whole of the globe. And then we just got a couple of information here. This is the type of house. A lot of your children live uh, at the seaside or coastal. And these are the type of houses that they will typically live in. Now, when we think of a house, I don't know if anybody's visited uh, a third world country and had the privilege of maybe visiting your sponsored child. But if you go to their house, um, you know, what we would consider a house is not what they consider a house. Uh, when we visited Ghana, you know, we visited this little house and she'd, it was beautifully set up and everything she needed was there, but it was literally, you know, the size of my garden shed. And literally, they wash there, they bathe there, they cook there, they sleep there, and there's about seven of them, uh, you know, all sleeping. So, you know, the concept of house is a little bit different to maybe what we consider here. And then we've got a graduation story. Now, it's really small, so you're probably not going to uh, be able to see it. But this little boy called Freddie came into Compassion Project at the age of 12. Uh, it was only his uh, mum and grandfather that looked after him. And we take the poorest of the poor uh, into the projects. That's how we, we choose them. And what he says, yeah, I don't know if you can read it, but he says, but purely because of the work that Compassion did in his life and his family's life, that's the only reason 
he was able to continue with his schooling and go to university, and now he's a doctor and giving back to the country that um, he lives in. And that's the majority of the stories of our children. We are one, well, not one, we are the most successful, according to research, child sponsorship programmes. And that's not, let's put it there now, it's not because of anything we do. It's because God blesses us because everything we do is for his glory through these children. And these children grow up, so how they class most successful is the number of children that actually finish their education, get a job, and are actually earning for themselves. That's what they class as being a successful sponsorship programme. And we are the most successful. And that's because of people like you and people like me who are prepared just to, to invest in God's kingdom and help those who maybe can't help themselves. So the last slide, there's a couple of slides after that that I won't show. So the last slide for this um, pack is just a huge thank you. There are 10 children who now have a hope, who now have a future, who are now educated, who are now uh, being fed, who are now being looked after medically because of you. And there's so many more children that need your help too. You know, i got a couple of stats, and I've, we've got a video, which I'll show at the end now, because I completely forgot at the beginning. Uh, my uh, admittance there. So, AV team, just giving you the heads up, there's a, a video coming. But, you know, you are making a difference to 10 children, but there are so many more that remain outside of the gate. When I was in Ghana, it was lovely to see the children in the project. They were all enjoying. They were all really, really happy to see us. Um, we had a particular lady who had blonde hair, and they had only... You know, the children hadn't seen white people before, and they were stroking her hair. They were amazed at the fact that she had yellow hair. And, but then we took a walk to a child's house, and we walked through the streets, and there was children there who weren't part of the project. And they were sitting there, and I can't explain the conditions. You can only imagine uh, the conditions that they lived in. And, and your heart breaks, and God's heart breaks too. You know, the last 18 months, two years, have been very difficult for us here in the UK, hasn't it? But it's been disproportionately difficult for those living in poverty. You know, they can't wash their hands. They have to walk half an hour to go to the nearest clean water if they've got that privilege. You know, they can't um, stay socially distanced because, like I said, you know, in, in the slums, millions of people live in a very, very small space. They can't get the medical equipment or, the, or, you know, if they do fall ill, they can't get the services that we get here in the UK. And food, you know, in lockdown, when they rely on going out and getting work if they can, with lockdown came complete lack of income and therefore complete lack of food. They've had to kind of suss out, right, which, you know, we can't have breakfast, dinner and tea, so what can we have? We can have just dinner or we can have just, you know, they had to choose which meal to have in the day. You know, we came nowhere close to that, did we? I think, you know, a lot of us obviously suffered from illness and maybe even lost people, you know, but, I, you know, I fortunately didn't. And I think, the, you know, the worst I had to do was queue up for my groceries. So, you know, it's completely disproportionate to those living in poverty. You know, across the world, about one billion children lack basic necessities, things that we take for granted. I had a glass of squash when I left this morning, didn't think twice about turning my tap on, getting cold water and drinking it. But a billion children lack the necessities, such as clean water and nutrition, and 100 million additional children, 100 million additional have been plunged into poverty because of COVID-19. 15 million girls of primary school age and 10 million boys will never have the opportunity to learn to read and write because they will never go to school. 
Children account for 27% of all human trafficking victims. And millions of innocent children are snatched from their families uh, every single year, with two out of three of them being girls. Sometimes sold by their families because their families can't afford to live, and so they sell their children to, to traffickers for money to keep their family. Lots of them are given false promises of a better life, or that they'll get a job when they finish, whatever. But the reality is completely different to these children that are trafficked. Many of them are trafficked for um, working, child labour. Many of them are trafficked to be child soldiers. And many of them are trafficked, unfortunately, for prostitution. You know, the number of children in child labour has risen to 160 million worldwide. 160 million is incomprehensible, that figure, isn't it? And that's child labour. Tens of thousands of children are estimated to be recruited and used as soldiers from around the world. Think of your kids. Think of your grandchildren. And as young as six, they're taken to be child soldiers. Worldwide, an estimated one million children are forced into prostitution every year. And it is estimated that there are over 10 million prostituted children in the world. Inconceivable, isn't it? inconceivable and it happens in our country as well don't get me wrong it happens in our country as well but obviously poverty makes them far more vulnerable serving the poor children of our world is more important now than it has ever been sex exploitation because of covid because people have now got used to the internet used to doing a lot more stuff on the internet is sex exploitation has become widely available and has become very very rife but it's not the story for everybody. It's not the story for the 10 children that you sponsor here as part of your community here. It's not the story for millions of children that are sponsored through Compassion and other charities across the world. It's not the same story for them. Currently, Compassion sponsored over 1.9 million children in extreme poverty, with over 100,000 of them coming from the UK. We're about 109,000, I think, at the moment that we sponsor from here in the UK. And like I said, we are the most successful sponsorship programme. That's because of people like you putting God's love in a letter, God's love in your donations, God's love in your birthday gift, God's love in your prayers. That's what makes compassion successful. But, you know, it starts even before they're born. We take children from as young as the day they're born, taking them through the programme and looking after them. And we can together change the life of a child forever. I don't know what you wanted to be when you grew up. My daughter always wanted to play football. And the number of people that said, don't be silly, don't encourage her, it'll never happen. There's no career in it for women. And look at her now. You know, I wanted to be a teacher. I never got there. I ended up being a financial advisor for my sins. But, you know, what did you want to be? The difference being here is, for example, my oldest daughter never knew what she wanted to do. So she's tried a bit of everything. The opportunities open to us are vast. And yet here in poverty-stricken countries, the opportunities aren't there. They can't dream of being anything. They can't dream of a better life. All they can hope for is that they're going to survive the next day. Your daughter, your grandson, every little boy, every little girl on the planet matters, don't they? They matter to God, and therefore they should matter to us as well. And every child Regardless of colour, regardless of race, regardless of where they live, regardless of their age, regardless of their religious background, regardless of anything, 
have the right to be fed, to be educated, to feel safe, to feel protected, to have those dreams and to, to become all that God had intended them to be. It costs just £28 a month to sponsor a child. What's that? A price of a family McDonald's? A price of a family ticket to the cinema, maybe? £28 to change a child's life forever. You know, David asked the questions in the Psalms, and we've talked about God's goodness this morning, haven't we? And isn't he good? Oh my gosh, isn't he good? Hasn't he been faithful to us? And David asks in the Psalms, what can I offer the Lord for all that he's done for me? Well, the answer is simple, isn't it? Absolutely nothing. How can we repay God for the blessings and the goodness that he gives us? But I think, you know, years later, Jesus gives us part of the answer or some of the answer when he says in Matthew 25 this, I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you gave me something, clothing, sorry. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. Just as you did for the least of these, you did for me. And you know, that's what you're doing to 10 children. You are feeding them, you are giving them water, you are clothing them, you are being their companion in your letters, you are encouraging them. You are being what Jesus says, to the least of these, you are doing for him. So just going on something that Rosanna said there about um, kind of uh, the children coming to know God. We work through the local churches in the, in the countries and uh, it's the local church that actually um, manages the project and employs the staff and whatever. And uh, because of that, uh, obviously, ultimately, our goal is to educate, to feed and to keep them safe. But ultimately, because obviously the local church is involved, uh, there is around about 80% of the children and their families do come to know Christ through the work that Compassion's doing, which is obviously ultimately uh, the best gift that they can uh, have through the project. So that's um, amazing. Do you like it when something nice happens to you? Do you? I love it. You know, I love it when I get a bunch of flowers or something uh, that, you know, when Tesco, you go there and you get your pint of milk and then there's everybody's got like a monthly shop and you're thinking, oh, I'm going to be here for ages. And then somebody lets you in the queue or something like that. Or even in a traffic jam, somebody lets you out. Isn't it great when something, somebody does something nice to you? You know, my husband, uh, on our first wedding anniversary, I was in work. Uh, like I said, I was a financial advisor. I was working in my office and a huge bunch of flowers arrived on our first wedding anniversary. And it was like, oh my gosh, I love him so much. Look at these flowers because I love fresh flowers. Um, this was a long time back. We were married 30 years and long time before the, the good old credit card and everything because three weeks later, the florist turned up to say your husband hasn't actually paid for the flowers. <laughs> and so I ended up buying my own anniversary gift. And that's not the gift I'm talking about and he's never lived it down um, since, I can tell you. But that's not the gift I'm talking about. I'm talking about things like the other day, I'm a big nail person, as, as you might have seen. I love having my nails done. It's my me time. You know, ladies do you like that me time I go it's an hour and a half of just sitting and being pampered and the other day I went and as I went to pay she says oh it's okay your daughter's paid for you it's like oh isn't that lush we love receiving generosity don't we and that's what I want to talk to you about today is about generosity did you know that studies have proven now that whilst generosity is really good for the person receiving the generosity the one that's receiving the gift or the, or the you know, that something nice happens to them, the act of kindness, 
It has been proven now that actually the biggest benefactor of um, acts of generosity is the person actually being generous. The uh, 2003 research in a university in the US reveals that the positive effect of being generous actually um, helps your mental health, it reduces stress, and actually it prolongs your life. Isn't that amazing? You know, Matt, there's nothing that amazing about it because Proverbs, written thousands of years ago, tells us exactly the same thing because Proverbs 22 says, the generous will be blessed. So we know that that's God's gift to us. As we are generous, God will be generous to us. And yet, despite the benefits of being generous, we don't see that much of it, do we? I think COVID brought out the best, but it also brought out the worst in some people as well, didn't they? You know, getting, remember the toilet roll issue? What was that about? Whenever you went to buy toilet roll, then you felt guilty and you almost had to defend, look, I really need toilet roll. I'm not stockpiling. It was awful, wasn't it? Why? Because some people just have this selfish, like, I just want to make sure I'm okay. So even though generosity is beneficial, we might not see as much as we would like to. I'm going to look today at a really famous story, and I'm not going to read it. It's from Luke 10. You'll all know it. It's the story of the Good Samaritan. If you don't know it, basically this guy's going down the road. He gets ambushed and gets kicked in, left for dead on the side of the road, and then three people come along. First of all, it's a priest, so that's the equivalent of uh, Pastor Christian. Yeah, he's, he's the vicar, he's the, the head guy in the temple, so he should know, shouldn't he, what God would want him to do. But instead, he sees this guy, looks at him and says, well, I'm going to go over here, and walks across the road and pretends he hasn't seen it. Then the Levite comes, and that is somebody that works in the church. So maybe, I don't know, your worship leader or your AV person, um, they work in the church. So they're in the temple, they're hearing all of what God wants. So they should know better too. But instead, he sees the guy and walks across the road and carries on his business. And then the Samaritan comes along. Now, the Samaritan, in essence, really is the enemy of the guy that's been uh, beaten up here. So if anybody had a reason not to help him, it would have been the Samaritan. But it is, as we know, the Samaritan that helps the guy that's been um, beaten up. And Jesus says, that's who your neighbour is. And what I want to look at today is the generosity of the Samaritan. There's lots of other sermons that you can draw from the story. But I want to look at the generosity of, in three ways of the Samaritan. The first one is his time. Now, he obviously had somewhere to go, didn't he? Because otherwise he would have still been in his pyjamas at home, sipping coffee. So clearly he had something to do. He had somewhere to go, someone to meet. Maybe he had an appointment. I don't know what he had on his agenda. But he had somewhere to go. Yet... On his journey, he sees this man, exactly the same as the priest and Levite saw. He sees the same scenario, but decides to be generous with his time. Now, do you ever think about time? As a financial advisor, if you'd won the lottery last night, if you have, please come and see me. I'd be more than happy to help. But if you'd won the lottery last night, I would hope that immediately you're going to have your luxuries, aren't you? I don't know about you, whenever there's a big, do you do this, whenever there's a big win... I spend about 20 minutes thinking about how I would spend it. Complete waste of time, because I didn't even buy a ticket. But I was like, oh, I do this, I do that. So after you've done all of that, hopefully you've got some money left over, and hopefully you would go and seek advice, because you wouldn't want to waste it, you'd want it to grow for you, you want it to work for you, wouldn't you? Yet time is our most precious resource. And yet, do we really do that with our time? 
you know what? If you live to your average age of 81 in the UK, you would have 43 million minutes in your life. How are you investing those 43 million minutes? You see, Ephesians 5 says this, look carefully at how you walk, not as the unwise, but as wise, making the best use of your time. You see, like I said, the Samaritan had somewhere to go, somewhere to see, but what he did is he stopped and did what he needed to do, regardless of all the other uh, things that he had going on. He was willing to be interrupted. Jesus is a prime example, isn't he? Jesus was busy. Oh my gosh, look how much he did in that three years. He was a busy, busy man. Yet at every opportunity, if he was interrupted, he did what he needed to do. So can you imagine now me speaking here, and next thing, a little bit of um, dust or whatever fell on Pastor Christian's head. He'd be wiping off. He'd be like, what's that? And then a bit more and a bit more. Next thing, a massive hole appears in the ceiling. And next thing, somebody's been lowered down while Jesus, while I'm speaking. Can you imagine that? I think most of us would be like, right, what's happening? Get him out. How dare he interrupt? Isn't it? We would be that kind of way. But Jesus stopped. Jesus was sleeping in the boat and the storm came and the disciples had to wake him up. Did he complain? He did give him a bit of a ticking off. I appreciate that. But did he complain? No, he didn't. He just stilled the water, didn't he? He was on his way to Jericho and Jairus interrupted him. He was, walk- he was in the crowd speaking to people and somebody touched his cloak. Did he go, right, right, who's pulling on my, like you do with kids, Nick, get off my golf, get off. No, he didn't. He did what he needed to do. Jesus was willing to be interrupted. Are you willing to be interrupted? Because God will bring opportunities your way to help those that need your help. Are we going to be interrupted or are we going to brush it off as a nuisance? The Samaritan was willing to be interrupted. Secondly, he was willing to be generous with his words. Now, there's no dialogue in Luke 10, so please don't come to me after and say that I'm theologically wrong. I am improvising here, and I am guessing that he didn't just go up to him and start kind of fiddling with him. He would obviously say to him, hey, are you okay? My name is Sam. I'm going to help you. I'm going to do this. Are you okay? He'd probably say, like they all do, don't they? On a scale of one to ten, how high is your pain? They always say that. It's like... I don't know. So he would have spoken to him. He would have been kind to him. He would have encouraged him. He would have told him that everything is going to be okay. You see, words are so free, but so valuable. Words can inspire, can motivate, can build people up, can make people happy, can put a smile on your face. Okay, maybe not. But it can also pull people down, demotivate people, and at its very worst, and we've seen loads of it recently, isn't it? Where people have been bullied and they've taken their own life because that's all they can see as the way out. Words are powerful. The Bible tells us it has life and death on your tongue. That's how powerful your words can be. Proverbs tells us in numerous places about our words. It says, gentle words bring life and health. Kind words are like honey sweet to the soul. A person's words can be life-giving water. Words can inspire people to do their best, and it can bring them down to almost their worst point as well. So are you willing to be generous with your words? And not just your words that you speak, but the words that you write and the words that maybe you text. You know, those Keyboard warriors, as they call them. You know, the people that put things on social media or on texts or on letters. You know, words, like I said, are free. As in, you know, they don't cost you anything. But they're so, so valuable. 
And one word can change somebody's mood and change somebody's day, can't it? So, so easily. And we have to be so careful with how we use our words. Who in your street, who in this church, who in your community needs you to be generous with your words today? Who needs to hear, do you know what? I was thinking about you today. Who needs to hear, you look really good today. Have you had your haircut? It looks really good. Who needs to hear your words of encouragement today? Who needs to have your generosity? And thirdly, the Samaritan was generous with his finances. Now, we don't know whether he was a wealthy Samaritan. We don't know whether he was a poor Samaritan. We don't know how much was on his bank account. All we know is that whatever was needed, he provided. So as we know in the story, he took him to the local inn. That could have been a premier inn. It could have been the Ritz. We have no idea of the level of this hotel. But all we know is that he paid the innkeeper what was needed for that time and told him if they need anything else, let me know and I'll come back. That's quite interesting, because like you, you text then, you know, like you owe me a pound. Or, it's like strange how we would let him know anyway. But that's besides the point. But anyway, he was willing to pay whatever was needed. You see, we often think in this developed world, and I think it's the, the huge downside of us all, we often think in this country, isn't it, that success, what success looks like is it looks like more, isn't it? It looks like a bigger house. It looks like a bigger car, faster car. It looks like a more exotic holiday. It looks like more stuff. That's what we tend to think here. But you know, stuff is nothing. Stuff, um, I read something, actually, just came to my mind now. I think it was, um, what's the guy off the mask and Ace Ventura? What's his name? Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey said, I wish everybody was rich and had everything they wanted because then they'd realise it's not the answer. And I read that yesterday on Facebook. And it's true, isn't it? We think stuff will answer all our um, questions. But you know, when God blesses us financially, and he does, when God blesses us financially, we shouldn't raise our standard of living. We should raise our standard of giving. You see, when generosity out of money, we often look at what we have to spare. And if you're anything like me, I can tell you now, I ain't got any spare cash. I don't know where it goes. Income comes in, doesn't it? And it's like, it's gone. It's like, where's that gone? We often look at when we give in out of, of money, how much we can spare. And normally that is very, very little. You see, the Samaritan gave what was needed to give. If he had more, he probably would have given more. If it cost more, he definitely would have paid more. And often we say, if I had a better job, um, if I had more, if I had, I had this bank balance, if I had Elon Musk's money, I would do this and I would do that. We're quick to say that. But W.S. Plummer, uh, an author, said this, he who is not liberal with what he has deceives himself when he thinks he will be liberal if he had more. So in other words, if you don't give out of your little, you're not going to give out of your much you know, in Mark's Gospel, there's a story that's often referred to as the widow's mite, if you know it. Um, it's a, Jesus was at the temple with his disciples, and there was people there, and they were, I don't know whether it was a tithe bowl or a bag or whatever they were doing, but all these people were putting money in, and there was loads of it, loads of money going in the tithe bowl and whatever. And then this little old lady came along and put two little coins in, two little mites uh, into the offering bowl. And Jesus called his disciples uh, to him, and he said these words, he pointed out what this lady had done. He said this, I tell you that this poor woman has put in more than all the others put together. 
Everyone else gave what they didn't need, but she is very poor and gave everything she had. You see, this woman herself was in need of charity, and yet her heart was to give. You see, generosity is not what's on your bank account. Generosity is what's on your heart. So who needs your generosity of finances? It might be somebody on your street who might be so desperate that if you called around with a bag of groceries, that would just make their day. It would show them God's love, wouldn't it? Who in this community, I, I don't know what your local needs are here, who in this community needs a little bit of your finances? Maybe this church does. Maybe there's a window that needs fixing. Maybe there's a, a chair that needs fixing. Who in your world needs some of your generosity. You see, the Dead Sea and the Sea of Galilee are two lakes in Israel. Both are fed by exactly the same river, the River Jordan. But the Dead Sea, as we all know, has no life in it at all. It hasn't got any rivers flowing from it. It doesn't have any tributaries flowing from it. It doesn't go anywhere. It receives life, but retains it all. And as a subsequence, everything that's in it is dead. Nothing can live in it. Yet the Sea of Galilee is exactly fed in exactly the same way as the, as the Dead Sea from the River Jordan. Yet it has tributaries, it has streams, it gives life to a vast area in Israel. It receives a gift, but it's willing to give it out. And I believe that's what God is telling us. You know, if we are willing, the generosity of God on our lives, if we are willing to show that generosity to others, Others in your street, others in this church, others in this community here in Cheltenham and beyond, then God blesses that. You know, 2 Corinthians says this, This most generous God, who gives seeds to the farmer that becomes bread for your meat, is also extravagant with you. He gives you something that you can give away, which grows into fully formed lives, robust in God, wealthy in every way, so that you can be generous in every way. So today I've got two challenges for you. Whether you're in the building here, whether you're online listening, whether you're listening in three weeks' time or four months' time, I've got two challenges for you. Firstly, I'm giving you the opportunity to receive this amazing generosity of God. You know, I kind of think that maybe as a church here, we are understanding of the generosity of God. We are maybe Christians, and so we've received the generosity. But if you're in this building and you haven't received, and you're thinking, do you know what? I've heard about this God, and you're telling me that he's generous, but I don't feel it. I haven't seen it. I haven't experienced it. You can. You can. And if you're online listening, and maybe you've listened for a couple of weeks, you can receive the generosity of God too. You know, from the time my children were born, I plan to do as much as I could to them and give them great stuff. Think about your own kind of planning with your kids. I wanted them to go to university. I wanted them to live the life that they wanted. I wanted them to have the things that they wanted. Not be spoilt, but you know what I mean? I wanted them to have the best life possible. As a mother and out of my resources, what could I give them? But Matthew 7 says this, If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Isn't more good? How much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? You know, God is just waiting for you to come. He's waiting to lavish his love. He's waiting to lavish his forgiveness. He's waiting to lavish his peace, 
his friendship, his healing. He's waiting to lavish his generosity on you. All you've got to do is ask. All you've got to do is ask. And secondly, I want to give you the opportunity to show generosity. That might be somebody in your street. It might be somebody in this community. It might be somebody that's listening online who needs your help. It might be somebody in Cheltenham somewhere. Somebody in your world who needs your generosity. Who are you willing to be generous to? Who are you willing to give your time, to give your uh, words of encouragement, to maybe even give your finances? And maybe it might be for little Irene. It might be somebody that you know, but it might be somebody you will never meet. Little Irene is four. She's from Ghana. She needs your generosity. She needs you to pray for her, so your time. She needs you to write to her, so your words. And she needs you to sponsor her, to educate her, to feed her, to give her what she needs. We're going to watch a short video. I'm not sure if we're going to get the, the sound um, going, but if not, don't worry. But if we can watch the video, it's great because it gives you the story of a couple of compassion children who have come through the program and who have graduated. So it'll be good to see. And while the team kind of set that up now, and let's pray that that um, goes ahead. I'll be in the back room there. I've got a couple of resources for you. If you want to know more about how you can help them, please come and chat with me. If you sponsor a child and you didn't see them on screen, again, come and have a chat with me, and I can link uh, that here to the church. But uh, as we get the video set up now, we hopefully I have the sound. I'm just going to pray um, for the video. No, I'm just going to pray, and then we'll watch the video after I pray. So let's bow our heads and pray. Father God, we thank you for your generosity to us. We thank you for all you are and all you do for us. And we pray today that if anyone here in the building or anybody here listening online who doesn't know you as their generous father, as the good, good father that you are, then we pray that you will open their minds and their hearts to you today. God, we thank you today for the privilege of being able to help those less fortunate than ourselves. We thank you for every child that has been supported through Compassion UK and other similar charities. We pray continued blessing on them and for all the children who are yet to be sponsored, who are yet looking through the gate. Lord, bless every single one of them. We thank you for the privilege to sleep every night in a comfortable bed, to have clean water at the turn of a tap, to have three meals a day and a health service that looks after us when we're sick. Lord, never... Let us be so comfortable that we assume everyone is as fortunate as we are. Expand our understanding of the needs in this world and our capacity to show compassion to the least, the lost, and the lonely. Show us where and how we can be generous for you. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.